Hey everybody and welcome to the Feminization Boudoir Podcast from Candy Apple Press. I'm your host, Kylie Gable, and we have a little bit of a different show uh, today. To begin with, we have a clip from um, a book that I do that's, that's a little bit shorter uh, called Force Femme Quarterly. Uh, it comes out about four times a year and it's designed kind of to be like an old-time men's magazine. Anyway, the stories tend to be a bit shorter and so... This one is no exception. Um, Mistress DJ is reading it, and it's called um, The Burglars Brought Panties. In addition, because that's only like a 15-minute story, I also am going to replay the audio from the very first Feminization Boudoir podcast, which is a clip from a story called Mean Girls and Mermaids. Um, last week I mentioned that I was thinking of doing a premium podcast uh, I ran a poll in a couple different places, and right now I'm really leaning towards starting such a podcast in February. One of the big ideas is I won't actually have to do much extra work. Uh, it'll be the same podcast that uh, runs on Monday night, except it'll probably run on Sunday night, and it will have the complete audio instead of a clip. Now, on a night like today, when it's a short audio... You get the whole thing here either way. But, you know, all the clips that I play on the premium podcast, they will be full. Which probably means about three or four full clips a month that you wouldn't get here. If you like audio that you hear on this podcast, there's always a link to clips for sale in other places where you can buy it. Um, and, of course, you know, you get the whole free clip. So it ho I hope it'll be win-win. It didn't look like a whole lot of people were offended by the idea of having a premium podcast, especially because the free one would not really be impacted or affected at all. It would probably be a very small number of people who would get a little, you know, a little extra. And I'm probably going to charge $14.99 a month, which hopefully doesn't break the bank for anybody, but it's going to definitely be out of some people's budget, and I know that. Anyway, um, I really appreciate the support so far, and I hope regardless of which podcast you're listening to, you know, the talking parts are still going to be the same, the interviews will still be the same, and a large part of the clips will still be the same. So whichever one you pick, I, I hope you'll continue following us. So to begin with today, it is The Burglars Brought Panties, and it is read by Mistress DJ. The Burglars Brought Panties, written by Kylie Gable and published by Candy Apple Press. Copyright 2023. All rights reserved. Part of being a good cat burglar is having the right tools for the job. Tonight, those tools were a red cocktail dress that showed off every seductive curve of my body, and a pair of heels that cost more than you probably make in a week. You see, our newest target was Arthur P. Bridgewater III. He was a trust fund baby who had made it big on Wall Street, and he had a taste for the finer things that matched my own. Tonight, he was throwing a stuffy cocktail party in his penthouse apartment. It was the sort of party which we would never get invitations to, but looking the way I did, nobody would dare turn us away. Bridgewater loved the ladies as much as he loved his money, and his employees knew that he would want to see us. When I say us, I refer to myself, Selena Hardy, and my partner, both in and out of the bedroom, Maggie Fox. Of course, those aren't our real names, but they're the ones we go by now. 
One reputation female cat burglars have is for being incredibly sexy, and I'm happy to say that we don't disappoint there. I'm the sleek one. I have long, straight black hair and the body of a world-class athlete. For my work clothes, I tend to wear a latex jumpsuit. Maggie is more bubbly. She's the one with the impossibly flowing red tresses and breasts that belong in an art gallery. She deals in information. She's definitely the brains behind this operation. The other reputation the cat burglars get is for being daring. I suppose there's a fair amount of danger in this occupation, but we've never been reckless. I've never broken into an apartment that wasn't completely scouted. I know security, emergency exits, and what valuables to grab before I pick a lock. I saw Maggie in a form-fitting black dress checking her look in the mirror and kissed the back of her neck. That always drove her crazy. I could tell by the shiver in the spine that it had the desired effect. If you mess up my makeup, so help me. I'm going to call the cops on you myself, she cursed. You know you like it. Besides, it's not like you made up the back of your neck. You look fabulous. So do you, I said. Even if we take this guy for half a million, he's still going to be the lucky one for having us at his party. Naturally, we spent the evening on his arm, ooing and aahing over every knick-knack that his wealth had accumulated. I seemed to be more his type, so Maggie backed off a bit, even if this was more her specialty than mine. Wow. What a beautiful painting. How much did that cost? I asked wide-eyed before gushing. Say, is that a real Patek Philippe watch? I bet that set you back a pretty penny. It's considered gauche to talk about money at these things, but I'm sure he thought he was impressing me, and I learned long ago that when a man thinks he's impressing you, you always encourage that notion. Makes them weak and dim-witted. At 2.30 in the morning, Long after the guests had fallen asleep, we returned. Climbing down from the roof, I used a glass cutter to enter the living room stealthily and discreetly. I then opened a window to give Maggie access. She had a rather large bag full of things we needed for the job, and she wasn't the climber I was anyway. We worked quickly. $300,000 jade figurine? Check. $240,000 watch? Check. $100,000 painting? Now hold on a second. Behind that fancy painting was a safe that changed things. When a man hides a safe behind something that costs six figures, you know he's got something good in there. Quietly, I pointed it out to Maggie and she nodded. She was thinking the same thing I was. She grabbed a coil of our climbing rope and we paid Arthur P. Bridgewater a visit. He was asleep in his king-sized bed when I entered his room. He was lying on his side, which would only make my job easier. Maggie is not usually a very physical type. She doesn't need to be. Still, in our line of work, a girl has to know how to protect herself, and she had studied a bit of Brazilian jiu-jitsu that came in very handy for those rare occasions when we would be caught flat-footed. I was the physical type. I had black belts in taekwondo, Brazilian jiu-jitsu, and karate. I had studied Krav Maga and grappling, and I even had some amateur Muay Thai fights. A sleeping billionaire wouldn't pose much of a challenge. I pounced on top of him, and before he could react, I was pinning his arms behind his back. My weight was forcing his head into the pillow, muffling any screams or complaints. 
Before he even knew what was happening, I had his wrists very securely pinned behind his back, and Maggie was binding them in place. Maggie was an extremely talented, self-trained shibari expert, but this was just a simple behind-the-back tie. Pulling his comforter off the bed, I could see that he was sleeping in bikini underwear. I ripped them off him. Men are always so vulnerable when they're naked. Maggie took another length of rope and tied his ankles just as tightly together as he had his wrists. Don't bother struggling, I warned him. My partner knows how to tie a knot. And when she ties up a man, he stays tied. What's going on, he asked, confused. You girls are from the party tonight, aren't you? Damn, he was much smarter than we thought, but I'd worry about that later. I flipped him over onto his back. It seems that Arthur P. Bridgewater had a very tiny cock for someone with such a long name, so I made a note to get some pictures of it later. Well, this is interesting, Artie, said Maggie. We need the combination to that safe yours. You seem to be very free with information at the party, so how about it, I asked. What's the combination? Eat a bag of dicks, you filthy bitches, he spat. What a nasty mouth he had. Maggie and I looked at each other, grinning under our masks. This is going to be fun. We let him flop around in his bed for a few minutes while we set up what we wanted in the bathroom. It didn't take long. When Maggie untied his ankles, he actually thought she was going to let him go. As if, right? Time to go for walkies, I said as I hauled him up and let him into the bathroom, pushing him down on the toilet. He glared up angrily as Maggie attached a thin piece of cord that I'd taken from the curtains in the living room to his ball sack. She ran the cord up over the shower curtain rod and attached it to a bucket. I know he was wondering what we had up our sleeves. My amusement at the situation was very obvious, and he surely would have bolted if I didn't currently have a hold of the cord that I'd tied around his balls. Maggie turned on the shower and while most of the spray missed the bucket, a small but steady sprinkle was landing right inside. I couldn't hold my tongue anymore, so I tried to explain to him what was happening. As the water hits the bucket, that bucket is going to get very heavy. And guess what's supporting it? I said. The look of terror on his face was enough to cause me to laugh out loud. <laughs> we'll turn it off if you give us the combination. Otherwise, you're going to be a gelding. After making sure Bridgewater was securely attached to the toilet, we left him alone to his fate. We made sure I didn't miss anything and went through his computer. His moans were getting louder and louder in the other room. Thank goodness the penthouse was so soundproofed. Are we having fun yet? I asked upon returning to the bathroom. The look on his face told me all I needed to know. He was taking shallow breaths like a new mother in the middle of delivery. I gave the court a quick tug to get his attention. The bucket was only halfway full, but it was clearly causing a great deal of pain on his red and swollen balls. You can end this. Just tell me what I want to know, I said in my most seductive voice. I realized he was getting a little excited, and the more excited he got, the more the bucket hurt. Our interrogation soon became a lap dance. I ground back against him, and he grunted loudly. He moaned as tears rolled down his cheeks, but sure enough, he soon gave me the combination. I'll be right back, I said, smiling in his direction before leaving him tied 
while Maggie and I rummaged through the safe. As it turned out, the only thing we could really use in there was about 100000 in cash. I guess every bit counts. Maggie untied him from the bucket, and he let out a huge sigh of relief. His balls were still very swollen as she untied his ankles, and we led him back into the bedroom. You two got what you wanted. Can you please just go? Mr. Powerful Businessman was practically begging us. We'll go when we're ready, said Maggie sternly. First, we want a show. What? He couldn't believe it. You heard her. We're going to have a little fashion show. Or would you like us to go back to the bucket? I said. You wouldn't dare, he blustered. Try us, said Maggie. No, no, I'll do it, he promised. Now just sit back and let Maggie make you into the pretty thing you really are, sissy, I taunted. She gave Bridgewater a glare that let him know not to interfere with his makeover. He was fearful enough of his current situation not to push it. Maggie was a whiz when it came to makeovers, and this wasn't the first time she ever made over a guy. It was just another weapon in her arsenal. I was actually the one to start things by slipping a black slatin bra and panties, garter belt, and stockings onto Bridgewater. He had no idea what we were doing, but for now, he cooperated out of fear as much as anything. I enjoyed watching the supposed alpha male wince and squirm as she smoothed the cool liquid foundation over his face and set it with powder. His cheekbones were already high and pronounced, so she made sure not to overdo the blush. She lined his eyes and blended various hues of eyeshadow to really make those eyes pop. With a thick coat of volumizing mascara applied, she curled his lashes before moving on to line his lips and color them with lipstick to give him a bright red trout pout. Bridgewater sat very still, trying to be impassive, but he could scarcely hide the intense humiliation he felt. He'd never be a passable sissy. But Maggie knew what she was doing, and he no longer looked like a guy as much as an ugly woman with an unfortunate hairstyle. When she was done with his makeup, Maggie held up a mirror so that Bridgewater could see what she'd done to him. He could hardly believe the transformation. He always had a baby face, but had never known what makeup could do to accentuate his features, which were exceedingly soft and delicate for a businessman. He gasped in disbelief at his own reflection. You're quite pretty, said Maggie. I thought you would be. Sit and admire yourself, and I'll go get something to complete your look. When Maggie returned, she had a long black wig with her. Bridgewater was still bound, so of course he had not moved from the spot but I noticed he was still transfixed by his reflection, like Narcissus at a fountain. When he looked up and saw the wig that she was carrying, he groaned, No, that's too much. I'll decide what's too much, said Maggie, styling the long glamour wig on his head. This wig has been worn by judges, politicians, and captains of industry. Consider yourself lucky to be part of that heritage. The wig had changed things. Bridgewater had gone from merely feminine to actually looking like a woman, even if not an attractive one. His erection strained against the lace prison of panties he was wearing, which was not lost on Maggie. Wow, what a perv. I, I look just like a woman, said Bridgewater. Not with that thing in your panties, you don't, replied Maggie, untying him. The wig had seemingly taken all the fight out of him. All right, 
I want you to reach into those panties of yours and shoot your load. What? Why would you want me to do that? asked Bridgewater. Up until now, I don't think Bridgewater had noticed all the pictures I had been taking subtly of this makeover. But he was beginning to put one and one together now. Look at us, bitch, I demanded. Look at the women who did this to you. The more we ridiculed and demeaned him, the harder he got. I really wish I had checked his internet history because he was probably into some freaky shit. And he was definitely a submissive. Now, come for me, right into your hand. He didn't have a choice. At this point, he didn't dare refuse us, so I made him swallow his own load. I could tell from the look on his face that this was a new experience for him. Well, tough. We took him back to the bedroom and laid him out on his bed. Then, both of us climbed onto his chest, back to back, and facing the opposite direction, we made him worship our magnificent asses and pussies. Kiss it, bitch boy, I said. Kiss my ass. Soon, I could feel him planting little kisses all over my ass cheeks. I do confess, it made me feel very powerful. I leaned back and made him bury his face between the cheeks. Now I was getting wet. Oh, I sighed, switching places with Maggie. The feeling of power was so exhilarating. It was truly an aphrodisiac for both of us. Finally, Maggie leaned back and completely covered his face with her ass. As he gasped for breath, I told him, The best part is, you'll never be able to tell the police about any of this. I don't know if he heard me at the moment. He was so busy trying to breathe. His sputtering gasps for air felt amazing underneath me, and just as he passed out from lack of oxygen, Maggie orgasmed. We left him lying in his bed, as if I had just been a dream loading the things we'd taken from him into a large leather bag. Nobody thought to stop us or even look twice at us as we made our way outside, considerably richer. The sun would soon be coming up. It was going to be a great day. The end. That was Mistress DJ with The Burglar's Broad Panties. Um, now, um, what we're going to hear next comes from something I did with my books. Uh, a few weeks ago, actually probably a couple months ago by now, I republished a story that I had done. Um, I didn't change anything except the title and cover, and I let everybody know that this story called Feminized by the Neighborhood Girls, which some of you are hearing now, obviously, um, had been called The Pack. And uh, it did really well. And it occurred to me that my readers and my listeners don't have time to scour through all the old books and all the old audios. And so I just thought I'd, I'd you know, play the audio of where our podcast came from because the first podcast was 10 minutes long. So we've come a long way, baby. So here it is. It's called Mean Girls and Mermaids. And um, the audio is actually from a woman named Miami Hung, who has been on several audios for me. And the story actually came from a couple of dominant women I knew who knew each other in high school, and they swore that they used to do this sort of thing all the time. And so I kind of compiled some of their stories together into one story. It's called Mean Girls and Mermaids. They knew his schedule better than he did. 
He had exactly three minutes to get from calculus over to advanced chemistry, and that was before pushing through the throng of students who thought the end of class was a great excuse to stop in the middle of the hallway and start socializing. What cretins they were, and this was supposed to be an advanced placement class. Today was senior picture day, and everybody was trying to outdo each other. He wore the navy suit that his mom and he had picked out this summer. His mind was elsewhere, though. He was tied for valedictorian with Ashley Turner, and he knew that he'd struggle mightily to get an A in advanced chemistry. Thirty-five to the right, two to the left, and back to twenty-two on the right. But just when he was opening the door, a hand pushed it shut. Not just any hand, mind you, but the well-manicured hand of Allie Hogan. She and her friends were the bane of his existence. Beautiful on a purely abstract physical level, to be sure, but also with a type of meanness that went beyond simple bullying and into evil. Today, with picture day, they were even more breathtaking than usual. He knew he would never share a bed with a girl like this. At eighteen, he was beginning to wonder if he'd ever share a bed with any girl. Allie was backed up by her friend Brandy Flores. Brandy was the meanest of the bunch, and their friend Ashley was the most cunning, but it was Allie who always had him in her sight since he had made the mistake of touching her breasts on a dare back in junior high. He thought he was finally being accepted by the cool kids. He didn't know that they were just setting him up until it was too late. Hello, Ariel, said Allie with a smile. She was close enough to him that he was momentarily lost in the flowery bouquet of her expensive shampoo. His name was Eric, but she insisted on calling him Ariel because she said his red hair made him look like a certain mermaid. She refused to let him get it cut, and it was a constant source of conflict between him and his mom. Hi, girls, he croaked. His voice was stuck in his now parched throat. Just the sight of the girls was enough to send all the moisture in his mouth to his suddenly sweaty palms. We'd like you to come to the girls' washroom with us, said Brandy. This wasn't a request. He knew that much. He had been taken to this torture room many times in his four years of high school. He was only happy that at least Ashley wasn't there and he had only two of them to deal with. Um, I have a test to take, girls, he replied shakily. Can't it wait? Are you really saying no to us, Ariel? asked Allie in stunned disbelief. No, I'm sure I can be late for the test. He responded, panicked that he had upset these two girls who already must have something horrible planned for him. The last thing he wanted was to make them angry now. The girls each grabbed one of his hands. To any teacher, it would look like friends just having fun. To his pals in French club, it would look like he would be getting lucky with one or both of them. To him, it felt like he was a condemned man being led to the electric chair. Surely, if Ashley was here, she would go on ahead of them and call out, Dead man walking. The trio passed Kenny and Edward, who were in math club with Eric. They gave him a look of sympathy, but they were relieved it wasn't them being marched into the bathroom this time, at least. A lot of boys had gone through those swinging double doors, and none of them ever came out looking happy for the experience. Allie opened the door, and Brandy shoved him quickly inside the girls' washroom before a teacher could see. The girls' bathroom smelled so much cleaner than the boys' bathroom, but he felt so self-conscious when they had dragged him in here and any girls who walked in would look at him like he was the pervert. 
His eyes darted around the room, taking in everything. A fancy green dress was hung on one of the stall doors. On the ground below it was a pair of matching shoes. Next to the sink, he could see that there were two pink-striped shopping bags. Ashley stood by the sink, checking on a curling iron. Well, there's the guest of honor, said Ashley cheerfully. Are you ready to have some fun, Ariel? I, I really have to go, he replied. He thought of trying to make a break for it, but he could feel Brandy's hot breath on the back of his neck and knew that he'd never make it. That's a nice suit. Did your mom pick it out for you? asked Ashley. No, he responded defensively. I pick out my own clothes. Well, we picked them out for you today. Strip for us, Ariel, commanded Allie. No, he cried. They'd put makeup on him and stuff before, but this was a whole new level in humiliation. He tried to run past Brandy, but she was much too fast for him. She grabbed his shoulders, and Allie and Ashley descended on him. Fine, we'll strip you ourselves, said Allie menacingly. No, you can't do this to me, he cried, thrashing around. His flailing left arm caught Allie in the side of the head, which earned him a stinging slap on his left cheek that left a crimson handprint, and, along with the humiliation of the situation, caused tears to well up in his eyes. From behind him, Brandy grabbed his shirt and pulled it over his head. Hold him still, shouted Allie. I'm trying, he's slippery, replied Brandy, grabbing his left wrist. Relax smiled Ashley, pulling a roll of silver duct tape from a small plastic bag on the sink. I always come prepared. No, get away from me, yelled the frightened boy as he tried to pull away from Brandy's iron grip. Allie grabbed his left wrist and he was now trapped. The girls turned him around and dragged him to the sink where they bent him over. He couldn't see Ashley anymore. But Eric heard the sound of duct tape being ripped off the roll behind him as Brandy and Allie twisted his arms behind his back and held them together. He felt Ashley slapping the sticky tape on his left wrist and then felt her pull his wrists tightly together, making his arms all but useless. No! He screamed as Brandy pulled down his pants and then his boxer shorts. Leave me alone, you bitches! The only bitch I see here is you, Ariel responded Allie. He sure hung like a bitch, said Brandy. She pointed at the small dick hanging between his legs and laughed. Help! Help! I'm being assaulted in the girls' washroom! He screamed as loud as he could. Oh, no, you don't, said Allie forcefully as she shoved his own boxers in his mouth, packing his cheeks with the foul-tasting cotton underwear. Ashley slapped four pieces of duct tape over his mouth to secure the gag in place. Eric found that all he could do now was make a low moaning sound no matter how hard he yelled. Removing his shoes and socks was easy at this point. I think it's funny he uses words like assault now. I think the term he used was horsing around when he threw my brother into a locker, sneered Brandy icily. The girl sat Eric down against the wall, and Ashley wrapped his ankles together tightly. She then passed out pink razors to her friends, and began lathering up the terrified boy's legs. The three girls made short work of the limited body hair that Eric had, though they had to struggle to remove his underarm hair with his current bondage. I do love it when our sissy is hairless, 
said Allie, smiling as she ran her hand up and down his now smooth legs. Eric had been a bully in his younger days, but beating up a fourth grader wasn't the same as emasculating a high school senior. He was never that cruel. Now comes my specialty, said Brandy, looking at her victim with predatory eyes. I love a good sissy makeover. We might as well paint his toes while we wait, suggested Ashley. Eric struggled with his taped bonds, but couldn't budge. Eric whimpered as he heard their voices approach. Two girls were entering the girls' bathroom, and they were talking and joking about some guy or another. He recognized them as two girls that he was in several classes with. Kimberly was a tall African-American girl who didn't pay him much attention, while the shorter blonde girl was her best friend Anya, who was always being the class clown. They stopped in their tracks as they saw the sight unfolding by the sink. Kimberly, there's a naked boy in the washroom, said Anya in mock alarm. Whatever shall we do? Well, he's not much of a boy, is he? replied Kimberly. Good point, agreed Anya, moving in for a closer look and measuring with her thumb and forefinger. It's really rather sad that little nub is all he's managed to produce in 18 years. Hey girls, don't tell, okay? asked Allie. And spoil your fun? We wouldn't dream of it smiled Anya. Just make sure you take plenty of pictures of the final product, added Kimberly. You've got it, agreed Ashley, laughing. We'll definitely leave you some souvenirs. You girls have the best hobbies, said Anya in admiration. I still have the pictures of Jerry Ortiz on my hard drive. So that's just a little tease of that story. I started giving out much longer teases. Um, Marami is a wonderful, uh, voiceover person who I first encountered when I had her do, um, the story Calendar Girl for me. And she did about, I think, three stories for me. Some pretty long. They're all available on Audible. However, Mean Girls and Mermaids is also available on, um, on Clips for Sale as well. And I think I want Clips, probably. So, you know, you can check that out. Also, the, the first story you heard, which was Mistress DJ with The Burglars Brought Panties, you can find that one on Clips for Sale. So I hope you had a great week. Mine was pretty good. A few other people who are really important to this show, not so good. But uh, I will be here next week, and I hope you will be too. Take care. Have a great week.